0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com,
1: on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of On The Grid, our fourth for season 2021. Tony shebeki's still away on recovery time after some knee surgery, so it's Kralsey with you once again. We've got a big show coming up, Stephen Johnson will join us. Later in the show, we'll hear from Will Davison, and Mark Walker and I will run through what we think will make the Race Talk's power rankings in this year's Supercars Championship. But first, the news. The pre-season testing for the upcoming Supercars season saw some surprise results last Friday at Winton. Will Brown put Erebus Motorsport on top with an impressive 1 minute 19 and a half second lap time. Chas Mostert was second, David Reynolds third, both a little over half a second off Browns' time, though hot weather conditions played a role. Team 18 Scott Pye came in fourth, followed by Brody Kostecki, who had his livery for the upcoming season and sponsor Boost Mobile revealed on Monday. Expected title contender Cam Waters was sixth, followed by Bryce Fullwood in seventh and Nick Perkatt in eighth. James Courtney was ninth, despite minor damage to his car while being driven by teammate Thomas Randall. In other supercars news, Team 18 has revealed their pairings for the upcoming enduro season. Long-time competitors Mark Winterbottom and Michael Caruso will team up to make one of the most experienced pairings in the field, while Scott Pye and James Golding will fill the other car. Michael Caruso signed with Team 18 last month, however, the pairing was not revealed until last Thursday. Erebus Motorsport were another to lock in their enduro drivers for Bathurst this year. After hinting at his ride in the show last week, we learned Jack Perkins will team up with Will Brown, while David Russell will pair with Brody Kostecki. The two experienced heads of Perkins and Russell believe they can help guide Kostecki and Brown to supercars rookies this season. In other quick news bites, the new theme ahead of the Supercars season was released this week using the song Realize by iconic Aussie rockers, ACDC. And in sadder news, in a statement last week from Supercars, it was revealed decorated race engineer turned motorsport technical director Campbell Little has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He'll step down from his role as he undergoes treatment in the coming months. In Formula 1 news, AlphaTauri unveiled their new AT02 that Pierre Gasly and F1 debutant Yuki Tsunoda will drive in 2021. The team named after Red Bull's fashion label has kept its matte blue and white livery. Tsunoda, remarkably, will become the first driver born in the 2000s to race in Formula 1, and if that doesn't make you feel old, nothing will. Lando Norris has confirmed he's now fully recovered from COVID-19 after he contracted it while on holiday last month. Norris claims since the mandatory isolation, everything has been back to normal for the young Brit. The layout of Albert Park's circuit will change before the Australian Grand Prix scheduled for this November. Works on the track have been planned for this year's race. However, due to the postponement to November, work has already begun. The first phase is complete, with a major change being the pit lane widened by two metres second phase will now see the layout itself changed to support better racing. full time F1 world champion Sebastian Vettel was selling eight cars from his remarkable collection of road-going vehicles, including three Ferraris. Vettel was selling cars with well-known dealer Tom Hartley Jr. Two of the cars have already gone, with the rest still available, but you'll need a big credit card to buy them because they're not going cheap. Meanwhile, if I'd have announced the release date of the new season of the popular Netflix series Drive to Survive, the third season will premiere on March 19 and will span 10 episodes covering all the chaos from last year. To two world news now in MotoGP, to ensure safety and to push ahead with the season on time, MotoGP has modelled its protocols for a return to racing on those used at the Australian Open Tennis Tournament and the NBA Basketball in the USA. The pandemic has already altered plans for the 21 season, with both the Argentine and US Grands Prix postponed. A second race in Qatar is being added, and the third round will take place in Portugal. Testing in Malaysia this month was also cancelled due to COVID-19. To push forward with the season, strict measures have been put in place to ensure everyone's safety, including COVID testing 72 hours before fighting their flight to Doha in Qatar and random testing done during their stay, among other protocols. That's it for the news. Let's dive straight into our special guest this week. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, let's delve straight into it, folks. A massive weekend. The Repco Mount Panorama 500 brings the supercars back to the mountain. But in sprint racing form with a couple of 250k races on the cards this weekend and a bumper support program as well to help me work our way through what's going to be a really exciting weekend is TRT's Mark Walker. G'day, Mark.
0: Richard Crail, this is one of your top five events of the year. I mean, four of them were at Bathurst, so uh, if only they had five and you'd have the whole lot, wouldn't you?
1: Correct. Exactly right. No, very much looking forward to it. It's going to be great. And I know for a fact that our first guest on the grid this week is looking forward to it as well, because he's had success there in a multitude of different categories and a little bit of history this weekend because a very, very famous car, or at least a modern day interpretation of it, will return to the mountain for the first time in basically 40 years in the Gulf Western Oil Touring Car Masters the three-time and defending champion Stephen Johnson brings True Blue 2 back to the mountain this weekend and joins us on the show. G'day, Stevie.
2: G'day, Grazi. And I'd just like to say it's True Blue month 3, mate. Come mark on, you three. should know that I of should.
1: everybody. I should. You're right. I apologise for that. Uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us. It must be a nice feeling to know you're finally taking this thing to Bathurst, given the long process it's been to get this car on track. And then, of course, we push pause for 12 months as well.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's been, you know, certainly long-awaited to head to Bathurst with this car. Um, I'm so thrilled that we're heading there for the for the early part of this season. The, obviously, the opening of the Supercars, and um, you know, we get to run at Bathurst twice this year. So, uh, very much looking forward to that. It's it's been something that's uh, uh, I think, you know, it's been delayed so much because of obviously to see what's happened and, and what happened in the world in the last sort of 12 to 18 months. But also, um, you know, the build, you know, the build took, you know, the best part of probably two years with, with mm. the planning at the start and everything else. So, yeah, I'm hanging to get there and, uh, you know, really can't wait to um, to get this true blue full throttle custom garage car, you know, around the mountain.
0: Big news in the TCM world and, and I'd say the Johnson family world since Tasmania has been John Bowles' cancer scare, which uh, it's taken everyone on the back foot. That's uh, It's shocking news to hear.
2: It is. Yeah, it's really shocking. It's um, something that, uh, you know, I think it hit all of us pretty hard, you know, and, and being so close to John, um, understanding him, knowing him, very close with him. And, um, you know, for something like that to, uh, to try to strike a bloke that's just never stops, you know, he's, he lives and breathes going to the racetrack. And, um, you know, I know, you know, he and dad, who dad's had the same. Dad, dad's had his, uh, his event with prostate cancer and, and, and beaten that. So um, for them to talk the way that they have spoken and, and really um Get a bit of an understanding of what it's all about and what john needs to do i think was great but it still doesn't take away from the fact of, of what it is and you know just how destroying uh, it is when you hear sort of news newsletter especially to your close ones
1: he's been very open about it steve and and like he has in the past about mental health as well and it's probably something our sport needs to do a better job of given our so much of our audience is blokes around that age that the middle-aged blokes who need to start thinking about those things. So if there's a positive to come out of this, and certainly we, we hope and think that JB can beat this for sure, but it, it's that he, he raised this awareness early and, and spoken so openly about it. And it's one of the things JB does very, very well.
2: He does. Uh, and we, we all know, you know, exactly. Uh, John's battles, not only with obviously this now, but with depression as well. And, and you know, I think it's, it's you know, we, we all know, as John, we all know John, John loves talking. He loves talking to everybody. <laughs> and um, uh, for him to be able to talk about all of that stuff and get it out into the open, it, it's, you know, I think, you know, it really sets an awesome example for all blokes around the world because, you know, most of us are very... Um, I guess reserved and, and don't like to to bring that sort of stuff to many people's attention, especially publicly. So mm. uh, for John to be able to do that, I think it's really helped him a lot. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's cured him, but it's definitely helped him along the tough times and, um, and, you know, for John knowing John as as much as I do, but tough times for him are when he's not around people. Yep, And that, the thing about, the, the second phase of, of, of what's going on with his uh, uh, with his cancer is, you know, there's going to be a lot of times where he isn't around people, especially people that he knows. So, um, you know, we all got to make sure that we do what we can to, whether it be to, you know, to contact him and ring him. And, you know, he loves being with the fans. He loves being with the racing fraternity. And, and you know, I can't wait to, fingers crossed, see him at the weekend and he's well enough to race. So, um, nothing will dis- destroy me more to see him not that well to be able to to race around the mountain, especially how how good he drove down at Tasmania to win his 100 TCM race, mm. which is fantastic to see.
3: Mm.
0: Speaking of Tasmania, we, we saw the big blue Falcon on the back of the tow truck there, the broken wheel. Have mm-hmm. you gotten to the bottom of what happened there? Uh, we have, it's, it's, and it's not really,
2: um, you know, there's no fold of, of the wheel company itself was no fault of ours it was just it was it's just a one of those engineering things that um happens from time to time on race cars you know we've been through it all with the stress tests and everything else and everything it's been fine um, the wheels were designed for this car and um you know albeit you all the other wheels are away getting tested now as we speak so we've got a uh, an interim wheel going on the car for Bathurst but um um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. It was actually quite funny because um, when the wheel uh, did fail, it was um, uh, something, or, or I guess you call it ironic for me because initially I thought, okay, there's an issue on the right front, but then not long after that, funnily enough, I thought that um, when Dad hit the rock in 1980, um, he hit it with the front wheel, front right mm-hmm. wheel. Uh, so I'm thinking... I jumped out of the car and I saw saw it busted, and I immediately looked up to the crowd, wondering if anyone had thrown a rock. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, but um, yeah, it's just it's just funny how things come back, especially when you're a six year old kid, and and uh, and that happened back then in, in 1981.
1: Yeah, or a, 1980, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. That's, uh, that's I think the good people of Tasmania wouldn't do that. <laughs> The, the therapy you'd need to go in after that, I would imagine would be extensive, wouldn't it? How, how is How is the development of the XD going? I know it's a massive project to get this car up to speed and to learn it and understand it, but mm-hmm. you must be reasonably happy with where it's at after essentially two race meetings, Adelaide last year and then Simmons Plains now.
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely make, making steps forward. Um, I don't think we're anywhere near where we need to be yet. Um You know, the Ryan Hansford's and the the Adam Garwood's, the John Bowers of the world are still, you know, quite a a leap in front. But, um, you know, I never expected to bring this car out and dominate straight away, Um, you know, like we did in Mustang Sally. It it had done that many seasons of racing. We knew every little adjustment that that car needed to fix whatever it was that I would like fixed as, as a handling characteristic. Um, whereas this car, we don't know. We have no idea what it needs. So uh, um, we will get there. The car will be fast. We'll eventually develop it um, so that the the car's up the front and battling out with those uh, those Tiranas and, and the other XD and, and, and Camaros and all those cars. But um, just at the moment, being that it's only two races old and and having, having not done any testing as such, um, yeah, it's going to be, I think... Um, one of those situations where we'll uh, uh, we'll be testing as we go, and um, if that's the case, then we'll just have to, um, uh, you know, I guess improve it along the way throughout the year in in 2021, and hopefully by the end of the year we're there or thereabouts.
0: You miss Mustang Sally because I miss the in-car sound of that thing. God, that
2: revved! <laughs> it was. It was. a It was. A, it's an amazing car, and you know, just with the history that it's got uh, behind it, um, it's just. It's a proven winner, um, but also there was nothing special about Mustang Sally in regard to underneath the, the shell. Um, you know, Crowley, you've been around it for years. There's been mm. so many people up and down pit lane that have looked over it. You know, it was it was a basically standard car with standard front suspension, all the standard ball joints. Um, yes, it had a, a, a proper live axle rear end and, and a watts link in it, which most of the cars have got now anyway, but Still got a multi-leaf rear spring in it, the whole lot. So, um, you know, and we've tried to keep that sort of philosophy a little bit with um, with the XD, but, um, you know, the things that that are important, things like shock absorbers and that, we've tried to sort of emulate as best as we can what we had in the Mustang, but it's a totally different ball ballpark, the XD. So um, the Mustang was so sorted Um it was always just a pleasure to drive when you jumped in it. You're right; it did sound great. It had exhaust at each side, so mm. it sounds definitely different to the XD. Um, uh, and uh, it's believe it or not, it's taken me a little bit to get used to driving a right-hand drive car again. So, because <laughs> uh, the Mustang's left-hand drive. Yeah.
4: Um,
2: but um, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, that that will always have a massive soft spot in my heart because you know so many race wins and three championships uh, on top of what JB did with it. Um, mm. You know what an awesome car
1: uh tcm at mount panorama when we were last there in 2019 it was one of the best bits of racing of the year in any category was you and Royal harris across Mm -hmm. the top from reed park all the way to mcphillamy early in the race it was greasy it was quite cool and you were wheel to wheel for well it must have been a k at god knows how fast in these 1600 kilo ford mustangs It, it produces pretty good racing up there doesn't it
2: it does. It, it produces awesome racing. And, um, you know, I think you were saying that uh, uh, I think that bit of footage was the most viewed bit of footage in 2019.
1: Yeah, out, uh, of, out of anything. Anything Fox Motorsport posted on their social channels, yep. supercars yep. included, that was the most watched video <laughs> of 2019.
2: It's pretty crazy to, to think that. And, and it just goes to show, yes, you know, it was wheel to wheel racing across the top of the mountain, but. You know these cars and TCM in general. Just they bring a crowd. They they the people love it. It brings them back to you know something of what it was back in the day, even though that they are a lot more advanced now. Um, but you know that that's that's why I'm in TCM. I love it. I really enjoy it. I enjoy the people in it. Uh, I really enjoy the the crowd engagement um, that TCM brings. Um, and I just love the fact that that we're able to give so many people that much excitement in the Mustang. And, and even now with the new build with the XD, the amount of people that are thanking us for building this car is just phenomenal. So, um, you know, and that's what it's all about.
0: How will Bathurst plan to the strengths and weakness of the XD? Will be good down the chute? Will be good across the top? Uh, good everywhere? What's your thoughts? Um,
2: I think right now with, with um, you know, us not having a, a full grip on the handling, of the car, I think I'm probably not going to be as strong across the top as what I was in the Mustang. I was so comfortable in the Mustang, and it was so well balanced across there. I think the XD will hold its own down the straight compared to the other, um, the other six liter cars. But um, you know, brakes at the moment have been its big issue, having a bit of uh, trouble trying to keep the front brake temps at a reasonable level. Um, and um, yeah, so it might be a little bit uncomfortable over the top of the mountain but that's that's what my, my prediction is from what i feel and see from the last couple of race meetings but um you know it could well surprise me we have changed the up a little bit since uh we brought it back from tasmania um and it might be just a little cream on the on the on the cake that it needed and it might be uh might be a jet out of the box so we'll just have to wait and see
1: uh, let's talk supercars quickly, mate, if you don't mind. Um, opening round, new season, uh, it's great for your family because the, the Dick Johnson Racing brand returns as the, the sort of headline act, I suppose, for the team with, with Roger Penske stepping away. So Dick Johnson Racing back in in that yep. entity. Um, how are you, firstly, from a, a DJR point of view, how do you see those boys shaping up? And then just give us your, your quick notes on how you feel like this field's going to play out. Yeah,
2: um, it's... Uh... It's going to be an interesting year, isn't it? You know, obviously mm-hmm. with with Scotty gone now, I um, it opens up the door for a lot of um, a lot of, I guess, opportunity for quite a quite a few others. Um, so Shane Van Gisbergen's been touted as being probably the the one that's favourite for the championship. I don't disagree with that. I think he's a phenomenal driver. He's a very smart driver, very fast driver. Um, but in in the past, we've seen um, the uh, I guess, red, what I don't even know what you call them now, Red Bull Ampole yes. race team. <laughs> um, they've they've notoriously started reasonably slow and, and got better. Um, that they, they would be good at Adelaide, but then they would struggle at a few other races before they sort of get their mojo going. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they at Bathurst I'm expecting them to be ultra fast because that's where they finished up at the end of last year but um, winning Bathurst but um, you know there's definitely you know Anton and Will at DJR now is or Shelby Bow Racing are uh, they're hungry they're hungry to prove a lot of knockers wrong that now that Scotty's gone that the team can't win um, I think that they've got as good a chance as any because Nothing's really changed by the drivers. I think the drivers are going to be super fast. They're going to take their time to, to bed themselves into the team environment there. Mm. Um, but I think they'll be fast. I'd be really interested to see, uh, obviously, how Erebus goes with um, obviously their two new drivers with Will and Brody, but also the, uh, I guess, the, the solid foundation that Tickford have. have been bringing the last couple of years with Cam Waters especially so they're all going to be super fast and I mean I really can't wait to see uh see what happens at the start of the championship to um uh, to really get a bit of a gauge on you know
0: who's where 250 k's around Bathurst shouldn't be a drama for the drivers but will there be much of a change of mentality versus the 1000 because you're going to have to get it done and get it done pretty quick
2: you are, and and Bathurst is not really a place that's a very easy track to pass on either, especially in a sprint race format. They usually take their time to you do your pit stops to, um, you know, wear the next car down. But um, you know, notoriously, it hasn't been a place where it's you know you can really, um, I guess, take advantage of tire degradation. Um, there's not a lot of tire degradation in Bathurst with the long straights, so. Uh, it's going to make it interesting. I think really, as it always has been, qualifying is going to be the key. And, um, you know, we'll see who can, um, you know, get the cars off the line and, and get that first half a dozen laps out of the way to settle down into do a rhythm before, um, um, you know, they're, I guess, trying to work out their pitch strategy. But I, what I think is going to happen, I think, I think we might see quite a few mistakes, mm. you, know, you know, and possibly some damage, you know, even in the lead up to the event. Uh, in practice and qualifying, because um, the the times that you do go to Bathurst, usually it's um, you know end of the year, so you you've got a lot of race miles under your belt. You're really focused. You, you're you're fully comfortable with your machinery. You know now it's the first event. You know they've had one test day to get their eye in, and they're going straight to the hardest track in the country, and you know arguably you know one of the hardest in, in the world to um, to try to you know, crack out some two oh three lap times, and um, I think you might see possibly a few little mistakes in between. Um, you know, in practice and qualifying before the race actually starts.
1: Yeah, and the added difference as well as going there in summer, though the forecast at the moment looks like there could be showers, so that'll yep. throw just an, another curveball into the equation. Uh, two quick ones to finish up on, mate. We really appreciate your time in in talking to us this week. Um, how's Jet going? Where's his racing plans at? Uh, At the moment,
2: um, you know, I'm frantically trying to get his Hyundai ready because he's actually going to have a little race this weekend up at Warwick while I'm away and just to get his eye in and and get back behind the wheel. He hasn't done any racing, so uh, we really need to get him back behind the wheel. And then he's racing the Hyundai uh, later in the month uh, of end of March, which is the first. Queensland state round up here at Morgan park. So that's his sort of first couple. uh, And we're also still working pretty hard behind the scenes, trying to secure him a few events, at least if not more in, um, in either a TA two or the Trans Am championship as well. So um, there's a little bit going on there. We're um, you know, we're trying hard for him and, you know, we'll see what we can do in the, in the coming weeks.
1: Mega. And finally the new season of the driver's seat is back this week, um, Wednesday nights Australian time. People can tune in, and listen to that online, all the way around Australia, and in podcast form as well. Tell us a bit about the show and how that's going along. Yeah, going really well. So we're back on,
2: we're back on, obviously on uh, on Wednesday, and uh, for the first one, which is great to hit it off, just as the season's starting, and uh, plenty to talk about. You know, we've got, uh, you know, I've got some cool, uh, I guess, interviews lined up. Um, great that we're actually talking to Timmy Slade, which is going to be great with his new team. The Blanchard Racing Team. So we are going to be grilling him about the new team, what it's like and, um, and really getting a bit of a feel for, you know, moving forward and their expectations in the championship. So, uh, you know, looking forward to that and, uh, and much more stuff um, over the, the two hours live that we're going to do. And then obviously, as you said, turns into a, a podcast for the people that missed it later on.
1: And uh, you co-host it with a uh, friend of the show, Matt McKeldin, who was nicknamed Diva by the people he used to work for in V8 Ute World. How many times a show does he bring up that he's won his class in the Bathurst 12 hour a couple of times?
2: Yeah, it's, there's a few. i I'm definitely, uh, I could definitely shout myself more than a six pack for yeah. the times that he's sent it. Um, if I had a dollar for every time he said it. So uh, yeah, but you know, he's, he's, he's great for the show. You know, he, he knows his stuff. He knows his motorsport and, and, and Nimsy, who produces it and is on the show as well, just does an absolutely amazing job with all the sound and the, you know, the credits and everything else that he does. Um, it, the show's really gelled together, and, and we love working together. So, you know, hopefully we can bring some excitement again this year, and, and certainly we're going to bring in a few new things to the show as well. So, can't wait to roll them out later in the
1: year. Love it. Wish you all the best for that. And indeed, this weekend at Mount Panorama, you can catch the action from TCM. Uh, on Fox Motorsport, KO, and I think there's a couple of live races on 7 as well, which will be exciting. Keep an eye out for the True Blue uh, liveried XD Falcon. It's a beautiful thing. It'll be in TCM, the Mount Panorama 500, with thanks to Repco this weekend. Stephen Johnson, thanks for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Anytime. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Great to have Stephen Johnson joining us On The Grid. One of the nicest blokes in the sport loves a chat about it, which is why he's got his own radio show and continuing to kick goals in TCM. And seriously, if you get the opportunity at Mount Panorama, I know there is some paddock access this weekend, which is great. Go and have a look under the skin, if you can, of Car 17. It is just this most beautifully constructed XD Ford Falcon. Mark Walker, I know you are a Blue Oval fan from long, long time ago. It's a very, very cool racing car.
0: It's a cool racing car. Cool story. And uh, right to see the Johnson family out there really getting amongst it in the motorsports still. I mean, obviously Dick uh, has his name all over his own team once again. And that really will be one of the talking points this season is that battle between Anton and Will uh, and how that Hands out, because quite frankly, Scotty McLaughlin's left some very big shoes to fill. And it's not only by those two guys, but it's from anyone who wants to step up. It's really wide open because those last three years, Scott McLaughlin's been the man. But Mm. now anyone can take it. And there's a a fair few candidates out there.
1: There is. We'll jump into that in a minute. I Just one thing I want to point out, just on the the whole second and third generation driver thing, we, we talked to Steve about... Jet Johnson, his son Dick's grandson, who's doing some Excel racing um, this weekend at Bathurst in the Toyota Gazoo Racing 86 Series. Another third-gen driver will be racing in the form of Clay Richards, son of Stephen, grandson of Jim. So just it's so cool that mm-hmm. these motor racing families have become multi-multi generational, <laughs> isn't it fantastic? Like, and you would remember as well as I do when we were young when. Stevie J started racing supercars and Dick was there as well. And, and Steve Richards was the young guy in the second Wingfield Commodore at Gibson Motorsport alongside Anders Olofsson. Do you remember that? Um, and just, it's so cool to see that continuing on. And now the third generation of these amazing racing families is continuing on. I don't know if that makes us old, but it's still bloody cool.
0: But it, it does make us all. But mm. you know, I remember Steve when he started out 20 years ago. Mm. And, I mean, you know, he raced the the Trans Am cars originally. And he'd lob up and have his one race at Oran Park and then back up at Bathurst in the number 18 car as the backstop to his dad in 17 and racing for life days and all yes. sorts. And great driver. You know, had some really good wins along the way. I remember that uh, that win at the Queensland 500... Uh, very vividly. I think I've written a story about that one, but uh, those really were the A-grade days of supercars, weren't they? They were so competitive, so many big names, and, and Stevie was right out there amongst it.
1: Right, well, let's dive into the season ahead, and a feature on the race talk is the power rankings, presented by our friends at Yellow Cover. The power rankings, if you're not familiar with them, are basically the definitive guide, in our opinion anyway, of what's hot what's not hot and what's what in terms of what uh, after every supercar round. And we've stepped it up again this year because we're now predicting what we think is going to qualify for some rankings inclusion this year. So we'll run through them. There's a story as well on the racetalk.com that you can check out now as well. So we start with what you, you touched on earlier at Mark who will be King McLaughlin gone. The best driver of the last three years is out. Jamie Winkup's, final season the goat is uh, going out to pasture at least in terms of team ownership so who steps up who is going to be the heir apparent that fills the hole that scott mclaughlin leaves is there a driver that does it or will it just throw the field wild open because i think if you look at the last three years if you remove scott mclaughlin out of the winning position there's probably 15 different drivers who have won races Whereas if you put him in it, there's about four. So he was dominant.
0: Who steps up? Exactly. Good question. <laughs> right. Next question. Moving next on. Next question. But, uh, you yeah, know, well, you start at DJR. And those two guys are well and truly capable. Will mm. Davison's won 19 races in his career. When he had his own car at the start of last year, he was very quick. In his last race last year, he finished second at Bathurst. So you'd have to say that he is very much capable of still pulling out results. His best ever championship result is second. So he's a, a championship challenging calibre driver. He's very much up to it. But by the same token, Anton Di Pasquale, I remember when he made his Formula 4 debut at Phillip Island in 2012, mm. I, I got a tap on the shoulder and, you know, watch this kid. Here's the real deal. He's going to go all the way. And ever since then, since he joined up with the Paul Morris stable, he sliced bread. He's been the guy who's been... Earmarked to go places. Now he's in the place. He's got the best kit under his backside. It's a matter of him being able to get the job done. Now it's his first chance in A grade equipment. So it's up to those guys to prove it amongst themselves which one's better. But by the yeah. same token, I mean, what's going to happen at Triple Eight? I mean, van Gisbergens coming off a this one thousand win, mm. and I mean that the problem they had last year is that they were inconsistent, and they didn't know why they were inconsistent. Yeah. If they can iron that out and go back to the triple eight of old, if they get a handle on what they're doing with the car, well, there's not going to be any stopping them, is it? I mean, Van Gisbergen's such a talent and he's won the championship before mm. and he can he's obviously driving very well at the moment. I mean, he won the New Zealand Grand Prix in an open wheeler, which is just something so completely left field. Yeah. But Wing Cup can win too. He won four races last year and there are times last year when he looked like the man of old. But yep. yeah, it's all going to play out, doesn't it?
1: there is every chance that Jamie could hang up the helmet as a champion. Yep. 100%. That, it, it is a hundred percent realistic thing to predict about this season that Jamie could win it in his final full-time year, which would be an amazing dot point on his remarkable career. The, the, the next question I suppose, and something we'll be following is the continuity side of things. And there's been so much upheaval in the paddock cleaning house at DJR clean house at Erebus does this give, do we think, a Cam Waters, who basically just rolls the arm over from a very competitive package last year, does this give guys like him an advantage? Does this give them a a window in which they need to strike while these DJR guys are learning their new surroundings and while Triple Eight's adapting following Grant McPherson's decision to leave
0: the team? 100%. There's always that betting in period, and it's a matter of those personalities gelling. Maybe... That personalities will gel at DJR. Maybe they will just slot straight in at, at Red Bull Lampole Racing. But by the same token, the two guys who I think could be considered in the conversation, Cam Waters and Chas Mostert, they've both got the same setups as last year. Mm. Uh, as terms in terms of the people who are running their back end. Surely that's gonna play in their favor. Um, obviously Waters, I, I think a lot of people are talking about because he, he won at Bend. He came second at Bathurst. He's in career best form, so he's got that coming. Um, you know, coming into this season, he's capable. I mean, he's served his apprenticeship there. He knows what he's doing. It's a matter of will. Tickford execute. The one thing I do like about Waters though is that he is the designated number one in on that team. Obviously, the yeah. there. He, he's strong, and Courtney's strong, and they're they're both capable of pulling out good results. But. Tickford can pull all their resources into making him the number one, whereas all these other squads, they've got two number ones. They've got two number ones at DJ, They've got two number ones at Triple A. They can be taking points off each other. Yeah. You look at McLaughlin last year. Before he wrapped up the title, he only had points taken off him three times by Fabian Coulthard, yeah. which which helps. You know, if you're aiming for a driver's title, every yep. point helps, but you've got these other teams where they're scrapping it out and you know maybe they'll be a bit Bit of team orders right at the end, but you know, it sort of helps when you've got that a driver from the start.
1: It, it was interesting. And, and one of the things I'm interested to see this year is how waters picks up where he left off and if he can and whether last year was an anomaly. And and like you touched on last year, he sort of had the mantle of being team leader thrust upon him in a way yeah. it was, it was right. You are now. and And it wasn't, like a a verbal, right, you're number one. It was via circumstance. It was Will Davison um, in the 23 red car, which was essentially part of Tickford being shuffled off and James Courtney being brought in. And it was Jack LeBrock, who for all intents and purposes is a rookie um, in his second full-time season. So there was so much change in that squad and Lee Holdsworth coming in, by the way, that he basically had to grab the ball by the horns and lead the team. And it, and it worked and and certainly he ended the year driving better than he ever has. And and that team functioning better than they have in a long time. So that was a big thing. And then the other element for mine and, and the wild card really is Tickford is what Tickford do we get? Do we get the great race team yeah. that we know can push DJR and triple eight really hard like they did at Bathurst and very nearly won the thing, or do we get that hit or miss squad that one weekend is very competitive and the next weekend is nowhere? So that's, that's going to be a really interesting tale to follow.
0: Oh, 100%. And I mean, you look last year, LeBrock. Mm. Some people said, oh, the, the winner, Sydney Motorsport Park, oh, that was a bit of a gimme, but then he backed it up at the bend and yeah. was legitimately in the conversation there and, and on the podium. So he's capable um, and, and he's he's had those three years behind him now where he, he knows the tracks, he knows the cars, he knows the race distances and he's race fit and all those sort of things. So who knows? Those backstops, the, the number two drivers, I guess, at Tickford, they're well and truly capable of stepping up and, and taking it right to water. So you know, don't totally discount them. But uh, the one you mentioned before there, Erebus. Mm. Which which Erebus are we going to get there? Because yeah. everything's changed except for Barry Ryan. Mm. <laughs> it's the new engineers, new drivers, mm. uh, two rookie drivers. They're hot shots at that. They've come, come to the team with very good credentials. Uh, George Commons is one of the engineers. He uh, has been giving Rick Cali a tune-up for the last few years, and he's obviously a pretty good engineer from some of the things that he managed there at Cali Racing. What Erebus are we going to get? I think that's going to be a very big question. Where are they compared to last year, and and where are those two drivers compared to each other?
1: Well, and that talks us into the next uh, group, I suppose, of, of those worthy for power rankings consideration, and, and a group of teams that one week will definitely be hot and the next week will be in the not bracket because they haven't performed. And Brad Jones racing amongst any of them are accustomed to that in our rankings that they, they end up yo-yoing up and down the leaderboard last year. They were hot more than they were not, but then at Bathurst, they were definitely not. They had an absolute shocker. So Erebus team 18, WAU, BJR, Kelly Grove, they're a group of race teams there that are separated by nothing. And on their day, any one of those outfits could get a car on the podium. So Chaz Mostert, absolute contender. Brad um, Nick Perkett, race winner last year, regular podium finisher. Andre Heimgartner on his day on the podium. But the next day it would be 15th. Yeah. So that I think one of the really interesting stories will be to see how those teams build some consistency and whether they can build some consistency or whether they're rolling the arm over for a year trying to Get ready for the full rules reset when Gen 3 comes
0: in 22. Yeah, and that's another talking point is where is the focus? It's a lame duck year. These cars are on the way out. Uh, we look back to 2012, the last time that we had this new generation of car coming in the next season. Every race was won by FPR and Triple Eight.
1: Yes. Yeah. You
0: know, how's that going to come into calculations? You look at the year that Wing Cup most recently won the championship. That was against the background where Triple Eight were Designing the XB, uh, the the ZB, and the V6 engine, yeah. so they were stretched, but they still won the drivers' championship. Yep. Big organizations like that can stretch themselves and still be competitive on the track, and and build what they're doing with their current car while still focusing on the next generation car. The big roller Car's coaster gonna pan out yeah. well.
1: Exactly, exactly. The big roller coaster for mine is Dave Reynolds this yep. year. Uh, We've seen the, the performance that Kelly Grove Racing have had last year in what was an amazingly t- um, troubled season, given everything they went through in, in rushing the development of the Mustang and then jumping on the road and rebuilding engines on the road. And they all documented it so brilliantly. And they were rewarded for that in the Supercars Media Awards, which, which we, we, no one would disagree. is very well deserved. Um, but that combination with our McVean there as well, those Mustangs are fast. As I said, Andre Heimgarten approved that. So I'm really keen to see what what Dave Reynolds we get, whether this is the the reset that he needed in his career, clearly, to, to fire things up. So that's going to be an interesting story to follow and see how they play out. Um, It's going to be interesting, Mark, as well, to follow the commercial side of the sport. And we all thought we were headed for Armageddon last year. But in the end, aside from a couple that we probably don't know about, Milwaukee was the only real major catastrophe and it certainly seems that there's some teams that have got better backing this year than they had last and triple eight would be the
0: ultimate example of that absolutely they've got super cheap and harvey norman on board i mean they're two (laughs) absolute blue chip companies and they've picked them up you know there's not a square centimeter spare on those triple eight cars they've done Mm -hmm. an awesome job selling their package and a lot of the cars do look full
1: yeah do you remember back in the day when roland reduced the commercial package because they just wanted the silver and red Vodafone car with no really annoying separate sponsors. Yep. Yeah, funny how things change, isn't it?
0: But, uh, you know, even Deja, they've had a good off-season. They've had a few gets there, including our our friends over at Doric. So it's uh, (laughs) good to see them jumping on board there with Will Davison and the team. Uh, And a lot of the teams do seem full. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. I think we're going to have three cars that are going to be on the rotating sponsor uh, list this year. Good to see Coke back there on Macaulay Jones. That was announced recently. So uh, it's good that they've actually locked in a couple of cars or three. Three of their four cars have full season sponsors all lined up. So uh, good job by BGR. But um, yeah, we were really scared middle of last year when the pandemic hit that we're going to be in trouble. But then they started wheeling out these deals like Repco. Mm. Repco are now slapping stickers on anything that moves or yeah. sitting still, <laughs> And the Channel 7 deal as well, which is something we'll get to a bit later on.
1: Well, let's get to it right now. That's, that's going to be a massive story, uh, is whether there's a rating spike. And, and Channel 10 last year were phoning it in, let's be brutally honest. Um, the, the upheaval that that network was having and all the dramas, change of ownership, everything behind the scenes, Supercars was pretty low in the peaking order for them last season. And as a result, their ratings were less than stellar, uh, including at Bathurst, which was the lowest in four or five years from a free-to-air perspective on the flip side the fox ratings continue to be very very robust despite the advent of streaming and ko sports potentially pilfering their own audience despite that the actual subscription tv audiences were very very strong which is why it's encouraged those guys to pick up the deal and roll on but that the seven deal is critical for the sport it's really important they get it right And it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. And seven have been very aggressive in their sports rights in the last six months. And, um, if you're unfamiliar with some of the stuff that's gone on Google channel seven and cricket Australia, and you will find 150 news stories about that. Assuming you can still access news on your internet, wherever you're (laughs) listening around the world. Um, don't do it on Facebook by the way. Um, and you can see how aggressive they're getting if things don't work for them. So it's important that supercars deliver for seven because they've gone pretty hard in promoting this return to a sport, which quite rightly they feel is traditionally their own.
0: Well, you look at the effort that they put into sending sending the Channel 7 Talking Heads down to Tasmania for that ARG event, which was mm-hmm. uh, very good to see that Barretts and Brad Hodge and everyone else that was a part of that gang down there. So that was good to see. And even... Just seeing the season launch, the team launches on Sunrise. Yes. High rating stuff on TV these days is news. It's yep. the morning breakfast programs. It's the evening news where this stuff is getting a run. A lot, a lot of eyeballs are going on to that. And Channel 7 have been going very hard. Obviously, having Mark Britter involved at the coalface of the broadcast as well as on Sunrise helps a lot there. And they seem to be taking it serious and all the right noises so far. And uh, I saw the story there as we go to air Tuesday night, that uh, apparently all the races will be shown, well, the channel seven live races will be on the main seven channel, mm. which is pretty cool. It's not going to be hidden away on seven mate. So that's a, uh, that's a very good thing for the sport too.
1: Yeah, it is very, very much so. And and the higher the TV ratings are, the, the better the return is for sponsors and the more people likely to get involved. So, uh, that's very important. Very quickly. Let's run through a couple of the other things that we're looking forward to finding out how they play out a decent field of super two with a bunch of good young guys in that probably not a huge amount to talk about there, but one of the drivers in it will have a lot of attention whether he likes it or not. His name's Brock Feeney, super three champ in 2019, hugely talented. He's been picked up by T eight. He'll be in a red bull car in super two and, um, the, the team say that this isn't an audition nor a, a shootout between himself and Ange Mazuris for the Jamie Cup seat, but let's not kid anyone. If he wins a couple of rounds in super two, the chances that young Brock jumps into car 88 in season 2022, just get a whole heap higher. Don't they?
0: Now after Anton, the, the next in line out of the talent factory there at Norwell is Brock <laughs> Beeney. Yes. I mean, it's been a pretty quick and, Huge rise there from Hyundai XLs. Here you go, Hyundai XL punters. Look at them taking over the world. It's great. Um, They're going everywhere. But uh, it's going to be on him to go out there and dong them, isn't it? Because he's got to get the job done. He's got the right team. He's got the right car. He's got everything going for him. He's got to convert that. If he can convert that, there's not going to be a problem. There's not going to be a question slotting him into Jamie's seat. But if he goes out there and wrecks stuff, and let's not forget the last time he was at Bathurst, he juked that Tickford car in qualifying up there, yeah. yep. so the pressures and the eyeballs are going to be on him. He's got to respond. He's got to win the races and not do silly things. Because if he's going in there and tearing up kit, that's not going to be a risk that they're going to be prepared to take in the in Jamie Wind Cup seat, arguably the best seat available in world touring cars. Yeah. You know, it would pay good money. It's got the big sponsors, got all the all the, the positives that go with that seat. And, and like it's you've got to have best someone. Best cars, yeah. good yeah, the best car. I mean, but they need to have someone who can take full use of it. We pay
1: close attention to the undercard on the theracetalk.com and especially the power rankings. And they often make it in if they put on a good show or deliver something less than stellar. Uh, Craig Lowndes, to contest the first couple of rounds in Porsche, Panerics and Carrera Cup Australia. That's firm hot. That, uh, no argument there. That's going mm-hmm. to be fantastic. The, the interesting one in a, what's not a not a bumper undercard for the supercars this year, 286 is back, of course, will be the shift to V8 power for the super-Utes and they kick off at the bend in May. Will it work or won't it?
0: Mm, yep. Good question. Exactly. And it's one we'll, <laughs> well, be, <laughs> we'll be following well, very closely. <laughs> I mean, is it going to fix it? I mean, was it the diesel sound and the smoke and the shenanigans, or will it just be a faster accident? Will they turn on some great racing? Who knows? Well, it's out there to be answered.
1: It's definitely going to be. um, It's definitely going to be a faster accident. There's no doubt about that. Um, The racing, ironically, was never that bad. The product was actually quite good. You know, without wanting to be a bit getting too existential on this show because we don't do that. (laughs) This will be a really interesting test case, though, because. The whole argument in motorsport at the moment is, oh, well, it's got to be market relevant. It, nah. it's, it's got to reflect what's sold on the road. Nah. And they tried that with Super Utes and no one cared, to be brutally honest. And and if you read the comment section on any post about Super Utes on any of the motor racing websites in this part of the world, um, not that you can read them on Facebook at the moment. We hope that gets fixed. Um, they, it's, it's pretty brutal in some extent a very small group of people that like them and everyone else rubbish them so if people start liking them with a v8 in it but not being market relevant because you cannot buy an azuzu d max with a v8 engine it sort of might just dispel the myth that we need to be so brutally focused in this part of the world on race what you can buy so that, that for mine will be really interesting to measure. And once they get a couple of rounds in their belt, just judge that punter reaction. If they put on a good show and they look good and they sound good, I don't think people will care whether they're diesel or not. I think they'll embrace it for just being good
0: racing. I mean, so much of that initial iteration of super Utes, it was about getting those manufacturers engaged. Mm. It was about getting VW. Okay, we've got a, a few VW Amaroks out there in this race hey, would you like to buy some signage at the track? Would you like to buy a TV ad? How about a corporate suite? Yep. All that really appealed was a part of the, the initial appeal of it. And it obviously didn't work out that way because the, the fields never really took off and whatnot, but mm. for the various reasons. So people like entertaining racing, don't they, yep. Rich? I mean, yep. you look at high-end XLs. Whenever they're on the undercard, everyone absolutely froths about it because it's cool racing. Mm. And that's what people want to see. It's a bit of biffo, a bit of silliness, a bit of slapstick. V8 youths, like they were just great fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, commentators taking the Mickey out of it. It wasn't taken too seriously. And sometimes you need that in motorsport.
1: Jumpy trucks are the Jumpy ultimate trucks. example of that. Um, so that uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. We've we've covered a lot of ground, it's going to be a massive season. For the full story on what we think will be in the power rankings and what we're looking forward to following, jump to the race talk.com now and also jump onto our socials because we really want your feedback on the hots, the knots and the meh of the liveries this year. So we've got some opinions and we will voice them in the lead up to Bathurst, but we'd like your thoughts as well. So at the race talk, uh, we're back on Facebook. We've been blessed by being unbanned by Mr. Zuckerberg. So thank you very much, sir. Uh, We're not news. We're not news. news. We don't do news. Simple fact. Um, We're informed commentary. Uh, so Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at The Race Talk. Let us know what you like. Do you like Team Sydney's livery? Is that hot or is the Coke livery hot or is it not? We want your thoughts on that and they will make the first power rankings of the year, which will lead us in to this weekend. I think you and I can agree, Mark, that the only other thing we want more of this year that would definitely make the hot list is Dr. Ryan's story on Twitter more often.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say beers on Friday night.
1: That too. They will be back at some point in a COVID-friendly way, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> Can't wait.
1: Uh, Mark, thank you. Coming up next on the show, uh, with, thanks, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Enjoy the weekend on the couch. Looking forward to some supercars back into life after an interminably long off-season since October last year. Coming up next, a short break, and then Will Davison joins us on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Well, 2021 marks a big step for Will Davison, one of the most experienced guys in the Supercars Championship. After a challenging 2020 that saw him lose his ride after the opening round of the championship due to COVID-19, he's rebounded in the best possible way, sliding into the champion team at Dick Johnson Racing. Always great for a chat. We're going to throw the podcast over to our mate Tom from Doric who caught up with Will in the lead-up to this weekend's Repco Mount Panorama 500.
3: How are you, mate? You're 11 of our partnership. How are you feeling? How good. How good is that? Absolutely uh, awesome. Very grateful, very proud to have had such a long-standing uh, relationship with everyone at uh, ALG and Doric. It's been an amazing journey. So uh, here we are, the start of 2021. Um Certainly very, very glad that you guys are on board once again, and I think this is going to be a really exciting year and, and chapter for us all. Well, 2020
4: probably didn't go the way we hoped. 2021, you've started full-time, Dick Johnson Racing, and you've had a test day. How did that go and how are you feeling?
3: Yeah, I don't think 2020 went uh, went to plan for anybody for that matter, so uh, certainly not going to single myself out. Um you know, I think it's it's fantastic that the sport was able to continue running. Yes, uh, my yeah. situation was a little bit shaky, um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, as they say. So um, I'm certainly taking positives out of the year. And, uh, yeah, here we go now. Um, Shell V-Power Racing, Dick Johnson Racing, full circle for me in my career. And um, we're about to go racing at the Mount Panorama 500 and uh, had a test day last week. Um, which was, which was pretty awesome, pretty exciting. You know, living right near the factory, I've sort of been integrating myself with the team the last uh, couple of months. I've been spending lots of time in there, doing whatever Yay. I can to, uh, you know, prepare myself for the year because we don't get to test very often. So literally the one, one day in the car to try and familiarise yourself is, is hard. Um, there's so many different, uh, you know, things you need to learn with a new team. Uh, the way they operate, the way we communicate, uh, getting yourself comfortable in the car. How do you fine tune those last little hundredths of a second out of it? Um, you know, are all tricky and always takes a bit of a settling in phase, but um, the test was great. The team's yeah. amazing. Uh, the car feels really nice as you'd expect. Um, so yeah, I'd love more time in the car, but that's going to happen on the main stage now when, uh, when we're racing, but
4: I'm feeling ready. We've done all we can to this stage and uh, let's go racing. So as a supercars driver, what do you do during the off-season? Like what's your fitness program? What do you do to be ready for, for round one?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's each for their own. You know, sometimes at the end of a season, you're, you're pretty mentally um, knackered, exhausted. So you sort of want a bit of time away from racing. Um, you always keep yourself fit, keep yourself active. Uh, but I, I like to do my training and put it into blocks. You know, there's there's periods of training where you've set a goal, you've set a target, you're thinking about one thing and one thing only. And then there's other training, which, you know, you're trying to switch off. You're trying to recharge your batteries and recharge your mind. And you're always doing something active. I train all the way through the off season, but some of it's just for, you know, recharging the batteries. You know, you don't want to necessarily be working. Um, but you want to be keeping your body strong and your mind strong, um, particularly after so many years in the sport. It's about, um, you know, constantly re, sort of re-energising yourself. And uh, for me, it wasn't hard for this year. Naturally, I wasn't exhausted at the end of last year. I was way too well-rested. Uh, I hadn't done nearly enough racing, and I got this opportunity off the ground. So from literally the start of November, my 2021 started. Um, so, you know all the way up to Christmas, um, you know, I was in at the factory, um, I was training, um, you know, I set myself a pretty extensive training regime uh, where I was doing whatever I can to make sure I was as well prepared for this season as possible. Uh, I would have been in a race car every day if I was allowed, but you're not. So what else do you do? You, you find ways to, to be fit um, to, you know, whether you're in your go-kart, just trying to stay strong, trying to stay sharp, whether you're sitting in simulators, Uh, whether you're, uh, as I say, integrating with the team, learning as much as you can about them and who's in the team. Um, And at the end of the day, looking at your personal performance, how do I be the best version of myself that I can be? And uh, everyone goes about that their own way. But yeah, I've certainly, uh, you know, challenged myself, uh, pushed myself, uh, been quite disciplined with my preparation. And uh, at the end of the day, though, it's it's game time now and, um, you know, we've got to get into the car now, get to what we all love doing, what I love doing, what I've missed doing. Um, and that's trying to go around a racetrack fast. And, um, you know, now we're, I think we feel like we're, we're, um, you know, we've, we've meshed together. I feel, I do feel a part of the team now. Um, but yeah, as I, as I said, um, all the preparation training's done. I feel fit. I feel really,
4: really motivated and hungry. Um, so now we just got to get on with, yeah, get on with the job. So this weekend, opening round of the season at Bathurst, is the first single-driver race there for quite a long time. Um, is it any different for you as a driver, knowing it's a single race for just one driver, or not a uh, the 1,000, which we all used to?
3: Yeah, quite unique. Um, you know, I'm reading a lot of people saying, oh, it's not not quite you know the same as the 1,000, and you know, it's not going to be the same, and it's like, well, No, let's look at it as a bonus. How awesome. You know, we're still going to the 1,000 in October. uh, And now we have a bonus sprint-type event at Mount Panorama. So I think it's uh, amazing for our sport. I think it's brilliant for for supercars. Um, It's a very, very famous uh, circuit that uh, we're world-renowned for, our category. So to go there twice in a year is great. From my point of view, I think from a driver's point of view, Uh, you know the simplest outlook on it um, is the best way Uh, and not much will change you know in terms of trying to make the car as fast as you can trying to nail that amazing lap to be starting up towards the front of the grid somewhere uh, is really first and foremost priority number one and and then of course the flow of the race is going to be different the strategic elements will be different Um, but you know at the end of the day that's that's what the team will be working on now. Um, And yeah, at the end of the day, the challenge is effectively the same. Will the flow of the race be different? Will the aggression rates be higher? Uh, Maybe a little bit. Uh, We know Bathurst, particularly in the last few years, has been quite difficult to pass. So that does make qualifying important. Um, That could introduce some quite aggressive strategies. Um, So it'll be a minimum fuel drop. So it's two 250 kilometre races. A minimum fuel drop of uh, 100 litres. So uh, yeah, it's obviously two pit stops, uh, effectively like a double stint to what we normally see at the Bathurst 1000. So 40, uh, 40 odd laps of the races, and yeah, it's going to be really, really fascinating to see how the strategy pans out and uh, to see who does what. uh, Yeah,
4: over the course of 250 k's. Obviously, your goal this year is to win the championship. Um, what expectations and pressure do you put on yourself as a driver to perform?
3: Uh, yeah, I always put huge expectations and pressure on myself. Um, I'm my own harshest critic and at the end of the day, I uh, always have been and it's what drives me to constantly uh, be the best I can be. You know, I, I try my hardest all the time. Um, I love this sport so much and, you know, at the end of the day, when I don't do well or do well as I thought I should have, it eats me up inside. So uh, this sport's made up of so many elements, um, so many things that need to come together to be competitive. And uh, I'm just, yeah, so grateful that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back in a, a really fortunate situation. I've got a huge opportunity with a, a great team behind me. Yes, the pressure's there, but who doesn't want this pressure? You know, at the end of the day, this is the ultimate pressure to know that you've got such... Um, great team behind you and um yeah of course it's up to you to deliver but it's been no different since I was a, a kid in race cars from the first time I ever drove you needed to deliver to take the next step. So uh I'm looking at this with um bright eyes and uh born again uh rookie if you like. I feel uh like not not like a rookie. I feel like I've got a lot of experience but I feel the enthusiasm of a rookie coming in and uh, that I get this shot again at this stage in my career to to really go and uh, attack and attack results and achieve great things. And uh, I think the last 12 months has given us all a bit of time to be reflective, maybe put things in perspective a bit uh, with life because, you know, so many things out of our our control were going on around the world and certainly gave me the time to look back on what's important in life, uh, to look at, how cool the last 15 or 20 years has been. Yes. there's frustrating years and moments, but, you know, realizing how quick the journey's gone, uh, but not feeling done, you know, still feeling like I was performing so well last year. And I certainly didn't feel ready to to walk away from the sport, but you got to, you know, you you need a few things to go your way to, to get in a, in a top line race team in, in professional motorsport. Um, certainly not luck's not the word you make your own luck. So, um, yeah, you know, I pushed really hard to do that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm just yeah really thankful that um, you know they've entrusted me with this position, and uh, you know I'll certainly be trying to repay the team um, tenfold with with results, and and yeah I'm just just so excited to, to to try and put myself to the test and and see what we can achieve, and I'll be enjoying every single moment. That's for sure. I won't be taking uh, anything anything for granted.
4: Well, we're excited to continue our partnership with you and. Join DJR and Anton, and we wish you all the best for this weekend, mate. Go get them! Thanks, Tom.
1: And we say thanks to Tom and to Will Davison as well for that great chat. That's it for the show this week. My thanks to Mark Walker and to Stephen Johnson for joining us. Tony Shabeki's back next week with some interesting insights into the world of knee surgery and some of the odd side effects, perhaps. That it may cause although we probably don't want to deal too much into that thanks for listening don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and follow us on the race talk for all the latest from the world of motorsport thanks for listening we'll see you next week on the grid